Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This is Andy Lopez, and you're listening to Don't Panic, It's Organic. Well, we have a lot of things to cover on today's show, so we better get started, right? So um, first off, I wanted to talk about a little bit about so equal updates. Tell you what's going on in the uh, world. Today we're going to talk to you a little bit about equal news. First of all, I hope you're listening to my Eco Cat, or rather watching Eco Cat. If you don't know how to get to Eco Cat, just go to invisiblegardener.com, click on the live cam. You can also get at Eco Cat from my blog. You'll see Eco Cat. You'll also see Eco Eco Dog. And uh, do a different show. Uh, I'll do a, a new one right after this show. Okay, so uh, new research from Northern Carolina State University connects several pesticides commonly used by farmers with both allergic and non-allergic weeds. Various different respiratory problems. <clears throat> North Carolina State epidermologist Jane Hopkin and colleagues used interview data from 2005 to 2010 agricultural health study to evaluate the association between allergic and non-allergic weeds and 78 pesticides. Gee, I wonder what they found. <laughs> In the current study, 22,134 farmers reported which pesticides they had used in the last year and specific respiratory symptoms they had experienced. The 78 pesticides included 45 herbicides and plant growth regulators, 25 insecticides, 6 fungicides, 1 fumigant, and 1 rodenticide. Glyphosate, that's to be round up, the most common used herbicide in the world was associated with both types of weeds. Gee whiz. <laughs> Surprise, right? And it's been a lot of money to figure that one out. Uh, water fluoridation and type 2 diabetics. I was never, I, I never really got into the fluoridated water thing. We don't drink fluoridated water. We drink the distilled, pure, clean, distilled water. Anyway, a study published in the journal of water and health examined the links between water fluoridation and diabetics. Type 2 diabetics is a growing epidemic in the United States. Wonder why. Incident rates have nearly quadrupled in the past 32 years and show no signs of stopping. According to the study, fluoridation with sodium fluoride could be contributing factor to diabetics rates in the United States as a chemical is a known preservative of blood glucose. More is going to happen there, you'll, you'll see. The actual study on this is interesting because you can read the study. And, you know, interesting enough is that when scientists and doctors were studying fluoridation in water, they said, it's just a small amount you get. 
It turns out that fluoridate, you know, you many products you're drinking, many products you eat it are made with fluoridated waters. Your fluoridation intake is a lot more than they ever even dreamed of. It's the same thing with genetically engineered food. <laughs> you can always you study one part, but you really need to study everything that you're eating. In uh, another area that's that's uh, sad is Alaskan showbirds exposed to mercury. Showbirds breeding in Alaska are being exposed to mercury at levels that could put their population at risk, really. <laughs> According to the research from the Condor Orthological Application, thanks to atmospheric circulation and other factors, the mercury that we deposit in the environment tends to accumulate in the Arctic. Whoa. Mercury exposure can reduce birds' reproductive success and sometimes even be lethal, really. <laughs> Shorebirds may be particularly vulnerable because they forage in aquatic environments where mercury is converted into methamercury, its most dangerous form. Scientists investigated the level of mercury in Alaska's shorebirds and, and found that some birds breeding near Barrow at the state's northern end have mercury concentrations up to 2 micrograms per gram of blood. Bad. Uh, another, uh, another issue... So it's completely different. It has to do with kitty cats. Um, did you know that uh, kitty cats kill millions and millions of birds and a variety of other animals per year? Both the domesticated type, the type that live at home, and the ones in the wild. We need to be a little bit more responsible in what we do, especially with our animals, our pets. I think they should pass laws, just like laws they have for dogs to control them. Okay, so I I hope that you all are aware that Bayer bought Monsanto. They're merging together. What well, you know, Bayer's is the number one producer of pesticides. You know, other than you know Bayer aspirins and Alka-Seltzer and those things, they're in the pesticide business. And business has been a little slow lately. And I'm pretty sure they say, "Gee, Monsanto, you have such a good deal going on here, selling pesticides, and it's totally safe." Uh, or the public thinks it's safe. We we want to get in on that. Fine, buy us out, and then we'll we'll start introducing the chemicals and pesticide into the products because we are getting away with it. At least they think they're going to get away with it, right? Okay, so uh, I'm going through a lot of stuff here, so it's just so yet um, we can we can uh, cover it a little bit better. But uh, in in a, on a, on another news front, you might find interesting is that um, um, there's, a, there's a variety of, of uh, scenarios that you, you need to uh, look at. One of the things that's going on is uh, Zika, the Zika virus and mosquitoes. And they're, you know, they're, they're going about it all wrong, as usual. Um, I keep telling people there's one simple thing that will kill the mosquitoes, and you should use that. If you spray pesticides and one mosquito survives, then you won't be able to spray that anymore because the mosquitoes will be immune to it. On top of that, the product that they call nailed, N-A-L-E-D, is uh, toxic to humans and mammals and birds and other creatures. It killed millions of bees when they recently sprayed it. And, they're, and they're, now, they're, now they're spraying it in Miami, and the folks are, all, are not very happy about it. And so uh, I would just... You know, tell people, if you are concerned about mosquitoes, garlic will kill them. Yeah. 
They could do arrow spraying or garlic. So you'll spray, you'll smell like garlic. You smell the garlic for a few hours, you'll be gone. But the mosquitoes would not develop an immunity to them, and they will die. And there's another easy way to keep gar the mosquitoes from biting you. Take a, a clove of garlic, cut it in half, put, or in a quarter piece, crush it a little bit, put it in your shoe. You'll smell of, of garlic, and no mosquito in their right mind will come near you. <laughs> okay. So, um, I like to read this uh, part of the, my uh, paper called Earth Week, Diary of a Changing World. You should pick it up, too. It's got a lot of uh, good information that you really should know about. And um, one of the things that, you know, there's always something going on here that's really sad, um, and some things are good. <laughs> Most of them is really sad. The Earth has lost one-tenth of its wilderness since 1992, one-tenth, due to human activities. Researchers from the Australian University of Queensland and the Wildlife Conservation Society found formerly untouched landscapes twice the size of Alaska were either de deforested or otherwise lost during that period, mainly in the Amazon and Central America. Wilderness is defined as an area free from significant human dis dis disturbance such urbanization and agriculture. A little more than 20% of the world's land area is still considered as wilderness, only 20%. My opinion, that's a big problem out there. That's what's causing these, driving these climate change because the wilderness is like a shock absorber and it keeps things in balance going from one way to the other way. And so we, we, we have 20% left and we're gonna, we're gonna really destroy that too. Uh, let's see, I'm going through all my stuff because I have to catch up with everything here. Uh, interesting enough, there is a, uh, the Arctic Sea, the Arctic Sea ice shrank to its second lowest coverage since scientists began measurement, measuring it by satellite in the late 1970s. The U.S. National, the, the U.S. National Snow and Ice Data Center says the ice, sea ice reached its summer minimum on September 10, when it all covered 1.6 million square miles around the North Pole. This is virtually tied to the summer of 2007 for second place. The all-time minimum was reached in 2012 with only 1.3 million square miles of ice re remaining on September 17th. You know, when that ice goes, permafrost is, is already going. It will go even faster. Scientists are already saying that we only have about 20 years left if we don't deal with the situation because the melting of the permafrost is going to, it's, 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 it's spewing methane into the air and filling the earth up with methane. It will fill up the earth with methane, replace the oxygen. Human beings and other living things do not do well in a methane environment. Uh, so um, let's see, uh, interesting, let's see what, see what else I got over here. I got one more, one more little thing I want to read about. Uh, so it has to do with the bumblebee. And you know, this creatures are dying left and right. We are destroying things left and right. We don't have that much time before there won't be anything left. Maybe not even us humans either. But this is a bumblebee. And uh, the bumblebee skilled at buzz pollination may join the endangered species, endangered species list. A type of bumblebee native to North America may soon be named to the endangered, endangered species list. It will be the first bee species to be considered endangered in the United States. 
The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service last week formally proposed that the Bomus athenus, or rusty patched bumblebee, be listed as endangered under the guidelines of the Endangered Species Act. As pollinators, rusty patched patch bumblebees contribute to our food security and the healthy functioning of our ecosystems, said the Wildlife and, said Fish and Wildlife Service. The federal agency estimates that native insect species, particularly bees, contribute to $3 billion in economic value in the United States. Because of, this, of a specialized pollen shredding movement called buzz pollination, bumblebee species are better at pollinating silk crops than honeybees. The Exercise Society, that's E X, no, excuse me, X E R C E S, Exercise Society for Intervertebrate Conservation, filed a formal petition in 2013 seeking to place the rusty patch bumblebee on the endangered list. <coughs> According to the conservation organization, the species population has declined 87% in recent years. Another Exit Society petition on Change.org has garnered more than 128,000 signatures this year alone. The bees' decline can be attributed to habitat loss, that's humans, climate change, humans, disease, farming, and pesticides, all humans-related, according to the Fish and Wildlife. The rusty patched bumblebee, so named for a distinctive color patch on the abdomen of worker bees, is particularly apt to pollinating cranberries, plums, alfalfa, onion seeds, and apples. Its life cycle begins earlier in spring and extends later into the fall than most other types of bumblebees. The species used to be found across at least 26 states in Midwest and Northeast. In recent years, sightings have shrunk to just a few states. Per the rules of the Endangered Species Act, the next step is a 60-day period in which members of the public, scientists, and government agencies can sub- submit expert opinions and other input. Comments may be submitted uh, online to November 21st. Um, you know we're we're losing. The, it's not even it's not even funny. <laughs> anyway, um, that's basically in the eco news. Um, a few other things I I want to uh, talk about today before I I forget. So uh, I get a lot of calls. Uh, variety of emails from you people. Uh, it'd be better if you don't call me because I, I'd rather do the show and help a lot of people one time rather than, you know, um, saying the same thing over and over again. So if you're a member, um, there are a bunch of things that you need to do, need to know and, and take advantage of what, what we have going here for you. Uh, ideally, the, the ideal way is to send me an email to Andy Lopez at invisiblegardener.com and the subject you write member question and I will answer it on the air. If you would like to be on my show and talk about the particular problem that you have, uh, we won't I don't give out last names, just your first name and what city and state you're in. <coughs> you just uh, send me an email, you write member members radio show and and in the body of the email you tell me what your problem is and you would like to be on my show you can also be on my show as a guest if you have something interesting that you want to talk about or you do something interesting Uh, so uh, today uh, I have I'm going to answer some questions Uh, first one is on spiders and webs I recently received a phone call please emails only 
concerning a variety of pests, but the lady was more concerned with spiders, more specifically spider webs. She wanted to know how to get rid of spiders and their ugly webs. It is unfortunate that folks see spiders in this way, especially since they are actually the good guys. Only one tiny percent, one percent or two percent are, are what you consider bad, they're poisonous. Um, they certainly are not catching wildlife, right? Unless you consider insects wildlife. So what's uh, what's happening? They're catching whiteflies. They're catching almost every pest this lady was also complaining about. Whiteflies, flies, mealybugs, numerous insects, numerous insects from ants to beetles to fleas. My suggestion is, of course, to leave the webs alone. They will help you control you in controlling the various pests. One important thing is to understand that the, all these insect pests have one thing in common. The person is overwatering the plants. Simple, huh? So if you don't like the spider webs, and you can't handle them, you can just hose them down a little bit. It will destroy the spider webs. Or if you can reach it, you can use a broom or a brush and just wipe the spider webs off. Uh, person, I will leave them on. If you have a lot of spider webs, it means the spiders are busy doing something, and there's something else you need to look at, the law of cause and effect, right? I say overwatering because you, this is what leads to, overwatering will always lead to these, to these pests. So it, it appears that the gardens will always overwater than underwater. Which do you think is better? I think you, you would say overwater wrong. It is better to make the plants look for water than, rather than become lazy. By overwatering with city water, you are destroying the natural balance in the soil. Remember, the stuff is in the city water. This is also bad for anything that grows in and, and will lead to more pests. If it grows in and will lead to more pests, followed by more diseases. Okay, if you really want to keep the spider webs down, I would control your watering more. Simple method is just to reduce your watering by 10% and watch your plants for a month and see what happens. Don't see any changes? Any plants starting to show up signs of water stress? If you see any plants showing water stress, that plant is probably not healthy enough, doesn't have deep enough root systems, and you want to slowly train it to have deeper root systems by watering not so often. It's better to water once or twice a week deeply than to water every day or every other day. You can reduce, you know, reduce reduction of 10% is an easy way to start with. And, and after a month, if you don't see any problems, you can reduce another 10%. That's 20% right there. You have reduced it. A good way to check for water uh, reduction to, is to check for leaks. <laughs> another thing to, to, to know is that you should time your watering to allow a few days of non-watering in between watering periods. Watch for water stress in plants. Some plants have become lazy in their search for water and have shallow root systems. These are plants that will look like they are dying even after it's just two days of not watering. You can hand water these to help them recover. It's better to water deeply once or twice a week than to water shallowly every day or every other day. Okay, so <clears throat> another question. Any suggestions for keeping peach trees happy and pest-free? You know, my first suggestion is, like I said above, it's better to water deeply once or twice a week than to water shallowly every day or every other day. Best to allow the soil to dry in between waterings. It's also important to avoid using chemical fertilizers, especially in high nitrogen ones. High nitrogen, by the way, inhibits the absorption of trace minerals, and trace minerals is the key to p pest and disease control. Only use slow-release organic fertilizers. There, these will almost always come with the various microbes minerals needed for healthy growth. Another good thing to remember is that you must be careful in over-pruning. 
Just know when you, that when you are you prune any fruit trees, it will adversely affect food production if done wrong. So it is best to let your gardener, not to let your gardener prune, but to hire a professional. Another important aspect of growing fruit trees is foliar spraying. Foliar spraying produces trace minerals, will provide trace minerals lacking in the soil. That's why it's called foliar spraying. You spray the leaves out, it will absorb the nutrients. Trace minerals are the key to pest and disease control. I talk a lot about rock dust, about using compost. Both are important. Most composts are not made with rock dust, and that is too bad since it is an excellent way of providing trace minerals and, and keeps bricks levels at their optimum. Remember, the higher the bricks, the less the pests and the less the disease. Okay, <clears throat> so <clears throat> I uh, had talked to you about fluoridation, the problem with fluoridation, uh, and so it's important to, uh, you know, in, a gar in your garden, if you, you, it's all fluoridated water. It's going to it kills the earthworm, it kills the microbial population. So you always constantly want to be bringing the soil back to life. That's why you make compost in the first place, to bring the soil back, to keep the soil happy and alive. Okay. All right, so that's pretty much it for today, I think. Um, I also have uh, wanted to tell you that we have a... a if you haven't been to the website, you should check it out. Lots of new stuff going on up there. Uh, I now have a new uh, podcast system. So if your members are receiving the podcast, my uh, my radio show this way, you're going to uh, take, uh, take a look at the at the new uh, newsletter that's going to come out, which will show you about the podcast. I'm going to try to work it out so that you automatically get signed up, but you may have to sign up for it. There's about four or five other shows. Another show is called body and garden uh and then also too i'm i'm uh i'm putting together a members page so you just go to the page and it has all the different things a few members are having a hard time finding the free ebooks or finding out what's going on you need to log in once you log in you have access to the members page if you don't log in you're not fine you will not find the members page um, if you're not a member you should think about joining because that's the best way i can help you uh, if, if, otherwise, you can just send me an email, and I'm happy. It, this show is from it's a member's show. Oh, I also put the, the first show of the month up to the general public. The members get a show every week. I have four other shows. I'm also I also now have audiobooks. They're not done in my voice. Uh, I am working on getting audiobooks slowly, for surely converted over done in my voice. Uh, so. Uh, let's see. Uh, I think that's it for today. Uh, thank you very much for listening to my show. Don't forget, go up to visualgardener.com, click on live cam, take a look at the uh, Eco Cat. Happy growing organically, of course. Bye now. The song you're listening to in the background is called I Have an Idea. And that, of course, that song is available through the podcast. It's also for sale for on sale now for a dollar. So you can either, as a member, you get the podcast free, $5 a month just to get the podcast, or a dollar for the song. Thank you. Bye.
Bye. Have a nice day. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.